From Creative Force, I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. This past week, we recorded in front of a live audience at the Salt Lake City Studio Mixer, hosted at Picture Line in downtown Salt Lake City. I talked with Jason Wheeler of Columbia Sports about the process of identifying the need for some connected digital infrastructure in the studio, what made them decide to choose Creative Force, and then what benefits they realized over the years. Really quick, I want to say a thank you up top to Dave and Jens at Picture Line for creating such a nice camera shop with a great space for learning. There was a really great shop there in, in like just outside of downtown Salt Lake City with a great learning space. Definitely, if you're in the area visiting or live and working and you were unaware about Picture Line, it's worth checking it out and it's worth asking about this mixer that they do for creative operations professionals in the area. And I also want to say thank you to Rick Hayward for inviting us to come talk to this very fine group of professionals and students. There's a good amount of students in that group as well. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Jason Wheeler. Yeah, I think we're okay. My editor will let me know if we're not okay. It turns out it was not okay. Daniel's microphone broke somewhere along the way, and this is what we have. Thankfully, the guests is fine. So this is Jason Wheeler from Columbia Sports. And how long has Columbia been a user of Creative Force? We started using Creative Force around 2000. Ooh, we've been using it a little over four years. We started using it around 2019 towards the end, but I think 2020 was when we officially adopted it. Yeah, one of the really early adopts. So I should also mention Creative Force, this idea, as you guys are all aware in the room, is relatively new. Many of you have probably been shooting for a very long time in this environment, but this idea of having a dedicated system for a studio that's designed to walk your products through is a relatively new thing. Creative Force was founded in 2019. It's a pretty new idea because for a long time, the people that build the budgets for the studios just left it up to the creative teams, and the creative teams figured out how to do it. We're going to use spreadsheets, we're going to use SharePoint, we're going to use PDF style guides, we're going to use a mix and match of different things. But those systems don't talk to each other, they're not super efficient. And when you have one unified system where that does all of these things, brings in product data, defines what you need to shoot, defines how you're going to retouch it, and says where it needs all those images need to go, you could do a lot of really impressive things with that. Jason and the team at Columbia were very early adopters of Creative very Force. Early. Yeah, so I started at Columbia sometime around you know, late 2018. And at the time, the studio was in a transition from kind of this old model of a lot of still life photography, lower volume, trying to keep up with some of the new e-com demands that were coming into the studio. And that transition was getting moved to a more on-model model or on-model photography model, right? And in order to do that, Columbia had chosen to bring in a team from New York. We had hired in a, quite a few individuals that had experience at Amazon. I think we have one of the photographers here, Jason Dunn. Nice to see you. So he was one of the crew that we had there, very instrumental in re, kind of rebuilding and reimagining the studio at the time to handle this new, this new influx of volume that we had that was required for you know, this e-com need that we were moving into. And 
so th through the course of that, I came on board and I was in a transition from a you know previous career into back into the photography world. So I came on as a digital tech, really started looking at the you know entire process as a whole, from you know the production team handing information over to the photography team, and then our job as photography support, what we were doing with the data that we were receiving, what are requirements for metadata, what were requirements from the style guides, which at the time were very analog, right? A lot of the same challenges that you would run into at a smaller studio that's starting to expand. And really started looking at this holistically and going, okay, how can we make this better? How can we streamline this process so that we can handle this influx of you know photography volume that's coming through the studio and things were rolling pretty good to be honest you know um, we didn't have an enterprise system in place at that at that point but we were still up against a lot of challenges and we knew it could get better and you know through the course of a, a year or so we were handling the volume and we started to see cracks in the system on the post-production side so and in the photography side as well, we were, you know, trying to find better ways to just, you know, keep up with this. Can you describe a little bit what the system was like pre-Creative Force? Like, how were you handling style guides? And I imagine that some of the challenges around some of the cracks that you're talking about are the really common ones. Missing images, misnamed sure, images, sure. having to go back and find those things. And then in post-production, stuff gets lost. The potential for loss on post-production side is great. But yeah. these are all hardcore production <laughs> geeks in this room, I think, based on all the introductions. Oh, we got that we some did. students, we got some hardcore production geeks, we, some hardcore geeks. we definitely have some yeah. photographers over so here. So what sure. was your system kind of like? Like how what were what, what systems were photographers interacting with to understand what they needed to shoot and how were they moving images through and that kind of thing? We had a, a pretty basic, you know, product shows up. We, you know, prep it, get it ready for the line, schedule it out. Then we would have a shoot schedule, you get your KPIs in place, you, you know, trying to capture, you know, anywhere between 20 and 40 a day, depending on what you're shooting, and, you know, you go to work. So your style guides at the time, probably analog, that's what we were too, so a lot of, you know, designing and InDesign or PowerPoints and printing them out, having books laying around on each set so that, you know, as product is coming in, you can, you know, reference this, reference the material, so as we progress through, we're like, well, how do we take these paper style guides and get them digital? So, you know, you bring in Kendall's or iPads and you start, you know, exploring how can you update, you know, the digital media in a, a more efficient way. You know, some of the cracks that we're running there is we're moving faster than what we can keep up with the style guides. Right. Right. So, you know, yeah. more products coming in. Our e-com team has, you know, these elevated needs. We're starting to see product that we've never seen before. And our art direction team on set is not only working with the product and trying to, you know, collaborate with the e-com team to get the styling just right, but we also have a documentation need now, right? So Yeah, that merch team all of a sudden is like, hey, surprise studio, we're now shooting furry hats. Yeah. Exactly, we right? We talked about this. We just got fairy hats in the studio. Don't know how we're going to shoot them. Yeah, or, well, guess what? We have a boot that's six inches taller than what we've ever sent to you before, and we want the whole thing in focus, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, there's, you know, all of these little nuances are coming down the pipe, and they seem to be hitting us faster than what we are able to keep up with. Is Columbia working on seasonal releases or something? Because I know, like, you know, fashion, obviously... There's a difference in the way that you manage a studio that has like a constant flow of products. Like it's my background working for Amazon and, and even uh, like the flash sales types, it's constant, right? Versus like, for example, Levi's where it's like they've got three or four big shoots a year. And so in between all of those, it's kind of planning those up. Where's Columbia at in that? Is it 
So our studio is actually fortunate in that we're shooting for three different brands. And those three different brands have their seasonal sets coming to the studio in a um, offset cadence. So our studio actually does, for the most part, see a constant flow of product flowing through, whether it's Columbia Mountain Hardware or Sorel. Mm. Yeah, so it works. But, I mean... I don't want to get into the, the whole nuances of samples, no, no, but no, no, we are, no, as curious, a brand yeah. studio, we are working way before product is ever manufactured, right? right? So we're working at a sample level with product that, I mean, we've even shot prototypes before, right? And had to rework those to be selling photography. Hmm. But back to the process. So this is really the state we were in, right? We were a large enterprise studio need, but still functioning as a very small photo studio in a lot of ways, right? We had all of the processes in place. We had the fantastic team which knew how to make everything happen, but we were lacking this digital infrastructure, this underlying pipeline that we really needed to help us manage each process along the way. And so... The issue there being like, you're needing to produce more and more. Yeah. Your budget's not getting significantly bigger. Certainly Head not. Headcount's probably not getting much bigger. In Absolutely fact, you might be not. losing, yeah. losing space in folks. And that's kind of what led you to needing, a, like exploring that there are some systems out there. Absolutely. So you come to this point where you just hit your cap, right? You hit the cap of the amount of volume that you can push through a studio given the resources you have. And you have to start getting creative. This is my point of view. We really have to start getting creative with automation, right? Where are the things that you're spending the most time at that are repetitive, which we can eliminate to free you up to focus on the more creative work or to produce better photography or faster photography that is still sellable, right? And so as our uh, studio manager at the time was exploring this, we started at the back end of the process. We go, post-production, and our asset delivery system is buried, right? We got eight retouchers in the back. They can't keep up with the hundreds of, you know, images that we're sending them. We have a pathing requirement and multiple background requirements, different variants that were, you know, required to send to our dam, depending on whether it's wholesale or, you know, our internal e-com need. And so we instantly go to work starting to try and find a way that we can process these images overnight, right? Great. Look for an offshore, you know, post-production house so that we can, you know, move this imagery at minimum overnight so that then our internal team can take a look at it and at least reduce their workflow. Maybe we can get past this backlog. It worked. You know, being able to help us move through the amount of post-production work that we needed to in order to get caught up. So... Again, we're still struggling on the front end, right? We're still, we're still seeing a lot of volume coming through. We're still having to update, you know, all these style guides. We're still trying to come up with better ways to communicate to our photographers what's needing to be shot. Post-production side of things, they're up against challenges with, you know, the amount of volume we bring on, you know, this enterprise system, which is now helping us maintain and control that volume. We bump into a QC issue. So now we have a mass amount of images coming in up to 2,000 a day overnight. Coming back from coming your back retoucher, from our from retouchers. Your outsource retouchers. Re yes, and we have to look at all these, right, and make sure that that work was done correctly. Right. That's part of building that relationship, too. Yep. It's easy to just say, I'm just going to fix this really quick. Really, the right move is let's give this feedback back to our provider and 
make them work better for us. Absolutely, right? And then they're taking that feedback and enhancing their service, and it's a great relationship. And then some of, some of the work that needs to be done, obviously, we're like, you know, our internal team can do this better, so we'll redirect it. This is all manual, right? We're pulling, thing, we're pulling thousands of images off of servers, you know, running them through bridge, having somebody sit there and QC them, sending things back manually, again, through an FTP transfer to our external post vendor. They do another 24-hour churn. The other, you know, maybe quarter of the images that we want our internal post team to do, we're sending it to them, communicating with our producers, going, hey, you need to work this into the rest of their, you know, production schedule. And it's a lot of you know, small studio, a lot of running around to talking to people, right? Making sure things are getting done, making sure that everyone's on the same page. But nobody has visibility into the process as a whole. It's really just sitting with a couple of individuals who have a general idea of what's going on, and the entire team is relying on them to communicate and to tell them where are we at in the process, where are these images, which ones have are delayed, which ones are getting delivered on time, what work needs to get done, right? So. Yeah, we're living in a land now with a lot of emails, a lot of teams or, you know, other communication, just chatter, just chatter back and yeah, forth. Yeah, spending right? a lot of time on Slack or whatever, yep. trying to figure out what's going on. Everyone's asking about what their particular favorite product, they want to know where those images are. Yep. So was exactly. that, Jason, part of Creative Force, one of the earliest systems in that was the, obviously we needed a way to be able to, to capture the images, but a big part of the system was around how we're handling post-production. And, and in both external and internal post-production, in Creative Force, there's a QC step. Is that the point? Because one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, was there one particular feature that you were looking for when you were going out there looking for that digital, like you mentioned, digital infrastructure to help manage this process? Was that one of the things that drew you to Creative Force initially? Was this QC bit that is connected, again, to your dashboard so you know what's been rejected, what's been accepted, and where everything is? So it was twofold. There was the front end, we had this stream of data that was coming into the studio and we had created a FileMaker Pro database, you know, at the time that we had coined Oz, the all-knowing Oz. It would hold all of our product information and was pretty effective at managing that. But there was no connection between that and the rest of our photography workflow. Right. It was very manual, look it up, translate it into Capture One Pro. The post-production side, as you know, I mentioned, a lot of work was being done around QC, and we wanted a better way to be able to manage that post-production you know, process and to be able to really you know, confirm the images properly. So we started, our, our studio manager went out and started looking at a bunch of different industry softwares that were available that are kind of popping up to manage what we had coined the digital asset pipeline holistically. We really wanted something that we could not only use to ingest all of the data, we also wanted the system to be able to manage the photography portion of it, mm. give us visibility into that flow and what was happening there. Fix our style guide issue would have been awesome. We're like, that would be amazing. But right. then we also really need something that's going to allow this imagery to just flow from our post-production teams into a QC module that we can just look at the imagery and then just ping it back and forth between the different teams that needed to have access to this imagery without having to manually drag it from FTP to server to you know desktop. So we met up at a convention, I believe, in New York, hmm. right? And that's where you know our studio manager JF was first introduced to, you know, Creative Force. I believe he was invited by you know Tom and Tice. 
Yeah. You know, because of our relationship. This was before me, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> if you're looking yeah. at me for time no. and stuff, so, I, yeah. before me. And he came back and was extremely excited yeah. about what he had, you know, learned about Creative Force. And at around the same time, I had a similar experience. It probably was part of that same trip, and that's where I met our colleague Sean when he used to produce photography conferences for IEN. Mm-hmm. I met uh, Thomas and Ari and James from Creative Force at a conference, and it was really obvious to me that this team, I was there speaking at the event, but I worked for a commercial studio in LA at the time, and we were looking at the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I was hired by this commercial studio. This was a, a pretty well-known advertising photographer who opened a small e-com studio in LA and had landed a big client in Kendra Scott. Anybody familiar with Kendra Scott Jewelry? It's a pretty incredible company, jewelry company, that she started the company with like 500 bucks. It's worth like over a billion or something now. And we were doing all of their e-com photography, and it was overwhelming. And I had experienced shooting for like Amazon, Nordstrom, different places. I was at Farfetch at the time that they kind of poached me away. And I was spending an incredible amount of time in Google spreadsheets, making barcode labels just so I didn't have to type image names in, you know, or the photographers that I was hiring wouldn't. So I similarly met the team from Creative Force at an event, asked a bunch of really poignant questions, and got them answered very satisfactorily to me. And then I was just really excited about bringing Creative Force on. And then for a lot of reasons, COVID being not a very small one, that studio went away and we never really were able to go through with that. But now I work for Creative Force, which is a really great platform and that's really why I work for them. But anyway. Like I said, we were shopping the market at the time, right? Yeah. We were looking at other enterprise softwares. And there's a yeah. couple of big ones and a bunch of smaller ones now. But at the time, there was a couple of big players. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that attracted us to Creative Force was the interface and the design was beautiful. It seemed very intuitive as you're navigating through it. Everything is in the place that you would expect it to be. And it just felt like it was really designed for someone to navigate and move assets through the platform. It didn't feel like an old, archaic, like early 2000s database. It felt like a like sophisticated web application that was really built for the industry in a, a really elegant way. Can I say a note about that? Yeah. There's a reason for that. I know. And it's is. that Scandinavian Danish design sensibility. Tice Rasmussen is, I think, as, as accomplished a designer as any Danish designer in any other discipline. It just so happens that he designs websites and, and user interfaces. But it's, it really is that's a huge mission for Creative Force is like, if this is hard or clunky to use or isn't interesting to look at at the very least, then people aren't going to want to use it, especially creative people. Yeah. Yeah. That was really important to us. We wanted something that, you know, was going to be easy for our team, our creative team to adapt to, right? We didn't want to shove another, you know, FileMaker Pro archaic database in front of them and go, look, this is what you're going to have to do to, you know, kind of move through, through the workflow. The other thing that was really, really important to us and which we were, we were really actually struggling to find in the industry was someone that we felt could grow with us, mm. right? A lot of the other you know, established solutions that were out there seemed to be really built on a, a certain perspective and a point of view on the way that they believed a photo studio should flow right. and how those assets you know, should work. A lot of them were built very specific for maybe an e-com studio, but weren't really addressing the more creative projects that were out there. And some of them were really maybe more heavily focused on one part of the workflow, but weren't really as refined in the other areas that we were looking to have you know, some help with. And so we brought Creative Force out, invited them out to, to give us a demo. 
And I remember during that first few sessions with them, we ground in pretty hard and started challenging every aspect of what they were presenting to us. Just as a client, we really wanted to make sure that, you know, the team that we were bringing on was somebody that we were going to be able to work with, someone that was going to actually hear us and really pay attention to our needs, and somebody who would take that seriously and go back to the drawing board and maybe help, you know, if not give us the exact solution that we were looking for, someone who would really you know, come to the table with maybe an alternative solution that could make sense, for not only us, but maybe for the industry as a whole, right? This is an important point because when I joined the team at Creative Force, it's easy to get really myopic about Creative Force being the tool that you should use for something like this, right? Mm-hmm. But there isn't a studio out there. There certainly isn't a studio that's ever come to Creative Force and asked for a demo that isn't functioning because they haven't figured it out. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. They haven't yeah. built themselves a process that works. And so you've got all these studios all over the country, all over the world, that have kind of had to build the airplane while they were in the air. Like, we're going to keep refining this process. We're going to find new tools. We're going to kind of plug in new things that work if something gets broken or doesn't work. It's a huge ask to go to somebody and say, will you jump out of your airplane that you built that definitely flies and works into our shiny airplane you know, without taking that time to like, let's figure out if this airplane can give us what we need. I yep. killed that analogy. It's dead now. <laughs> no more using it. But that's, but that's it's a huge trust thing, right? Like Columbia, you, you didn't come to us because your studio had ground to a halt. No. You just needed to be able to, you were already doing things fast. You needed to be able to do them a little bit faster. Yeah, more efficiently. And the biggest thing, like I had mentioned before, is that we needed visibility into every aspect of the process, yeah. right? And that's what we were really lacking. So we really liked, you know, the first couple of meetings that we had with Creative Force. We, you know, chose to bring them on. And we, I feel that we started more than onboarding them and bringing in their platform. We started a partnership with them. And I, I've talked to some of the other clients of Creative Force, and I know that they feel the same way as well, yeah. to where we've really created, like, this community and this partnership with a platform that is now invested in helping us and really, you know, fulfilling our needs as a photo studio and an industry as a whole versus just, you know, solving their own problems and then putting it in the market, hoping that somebody else, you know, in the industry is, you know, could benefit from that as well. Customer feedback feeds heavily into our roadmap for how we're going to build Creative Force. Some of us at Creative Force, there's probably 15 employees that have like really robust studio backgrounds, but then there's a lot of other people in other technical and marketing roles. And so we have people who come from studio and like our product manager on the planning tools that we just released recently, she was a producer for Chewy. So like, you know, she brought a lot of her own experience and all that kind of thing. But our customers who are using it day in, day out really do help us guide kind of the roadmap of how we're going to develop Creative Force and how we're going to make it work for studios really well. I want to talk about a couple of nuts and bolts things really quick. Are there any old cumbersome processes that you used to do that are just gone now because Creative Force has negated the need for them? Uh, Yeah, we no longer are importing product via Excel spreadsheets or importing data for product via Excel spreadsheets. I mean, you can imagine, you know, for our studio and the amount of product that we're bringing in, I would be bringing in somewhere close to 100,000 UPCs, right, individual SKUs. So that's being delivered on an Excel spreadsheet, and then we're sifting through that, mining the data out of that that we need, and then we're going to, you know, 
just cumbersome, deliver that to some database system, which is then going to, you know, be visible to our photographers to search for, find, you know, the information they need and get that into the image metadata, right? Yeah. Manually, digital text going and manually adding in all of this metadata into the image session that they're shooting, making sure that all that information is right before exporting. Process is gone now. Because of Creative Force and the API base that it's built off of, it's now integrated with our SAP system. So it's pulling all of our product data into the system and it's readily available for us when we need to create jobs. Product data is automatically there when I add and create a job and all of the data that I want from that product data to be in the image metadata is now automatically flowing from the platform into the images as the photographer is shooting. That's a big one, and I wasn't, that, I wasn't familiar. I was going to ask what it connected to an SAP. I'm not that familiar with how Columbia specifically is set up. How many, I know there were some DAM and asset people here. How many uh, metadata heartaches? Anybody familiar with checking metadata and trying to find the right? So one of the really amazing things about Creative Force is we can take as much product data as you have and want to give Creative Force. The bare minimum we need to make Creative Force work is a SKU and a category because we need some unique way to identify that product and then we need to know what, how do you categorize that product so you can build a style guide for that. But we can accept anything you have in whatever product database system that you have and bring it into Creative Force and then build specific and custom metadata rules to append that data to the metadata of those images and to go even beyond that, contingencies. you can build custom metadata schemas so that the descriptors of those metadata fields are accurate. You're not doing things like putting the photographer in the owner category or like putting the color of the product in some other IPTC metadata field. You can build metadata fields that the descriptors of those fields actually describe what the data that they contain, and those are all readable by almost every damn system. So an incredibly nerdy feature about Creative Force, but yeah, metadata, file naming, file handling, all of those things are handled automatically by Creative Force based on things that you set up in advance. You set up your naming convention in advance, and it could be specific down to the individual image, or you can use the same naming convention across a suite of images. Yeah. We do not care how an image comes into Capture One or how, what it's named when it comes into Creative Force. Because of the way you attach those images to that sort of digital product record in Creative Force, all of those images, all that metadata, all those file names are accurate. And that is a part of our system. I think it's fair for me to say that it almost never gets it wrong. Once you have it set up correctly, it almost never gets it wrong. Contrary to I would say people never. doing it. I, I would say never. I can't never bring myself to right. say never. I, can't, it's, I have to hedge always. <laughs> You can leave that. You can leave that one percent. Yeah, there's a couple. Of, yeah. There's another. Let's see. So, were there any unexpected benefits that you weren't like unexpected things that you got from Creative Force that have been benefits to your team or to the management or to your ability to manage the studio? Early on, it was exactly what we had expected yeah. and signed up for. But as the platform has evolved, I think there's been quite a few unexpected features and benefits that have come out really because of community input as a whole that we as a studio never thought of, right? 
one of which is the new shot list feature that is coming out. I think yeah. this really has been an unexpected benefit that our photographers are now just right there inside the platform, able to see everything that was shot through the day. We're also now able to just push full shot lists to the photographer right. right there in the digital platform, and they know exactly you know what should be on the racks, what they're expecting to be shooting, and can kind of click through, see the style guides, and know exactly what positions or what you know angles they're going to need to shoot you know throughout the day before ever seeing the product right. you know on a model in front of them. Yeah, and just out of curiosity, do you, Jason, you have a particular favorite feature about Creative Force? Can I pick three? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll start with photography. Well, yeah, we'll start with the photography side. For the photographers, one of my favorite features that's available now is this concept of reversible crops. So this would be photographers yes. and art directors, right? Yeah. So if you imagine we're shooting product, you, you know, you may have an art director there on set, you may not. Photographers there maybe doing some crops, trying to get maybe a general idea of what the final image is going to look like. Maybe you're locking in your crops right there on set for e-com, depending on your workflow. We struggled a lot with that where, you know, we'd oftentimes, we'd have an art director right on set. They would go through, make all their selects, make all the crops, get them aligned the way they want, a digital tech would process and kick them out, right? And then, you know, two days down the road, as, you know, we're reviewing stuff, we find a crop that's wrong. You have to go all the way back to the beginning of the process and start all over again, right? So this concept of reversible crops came through with Creative Force. It revolutionized the way that we were working in that now our photographers can go through, they can shoot their images, they can crop according to the style guide and the way that they see the images need to be done. But that flows through to our art directors now in Creative Force, and our art directors have full control over changing that crop if they need to right there on the raw image yeah. before it ever transfers through to the rest of the uh, external post or post-production. Yeah, familiar in Capture One with the toggle that you can ignore a crop in Capture One when you process it out? There's a, there's a setting in Capture One that you can ignore the crop, which is great for when you have rogue photographers that crop do weird crops. Yep. No shade on photographers. I'm definitely <laughs> guilty of weird cropping. But you can crop in Capture One. You can bring those into Creative Force if you have these settings all built with our Capture One integration. And then somebody can come into Creative Force and undo that crop. And one of the things that I'm glad that you kind of mentioned was this art director making selects kinds of things, because this is one of my personal favorite features of Creative Force. Does anybody here have a workflow where, like, you might, you may have an art director sitting on set trying to make selects, but things are moving pretty quick. And then oftentimes they're sitting in your studio taking up a capture station, making selects for some amount of hours or days following the shoot. This is a familiar thing, right? In Creative Force, once you bring images into Creative Force, and there's a number of ways to do them. You can shoot against a style guide and just deliver the images that you need for that style guide. You can deliver every image from that look for that product that you're shooting, just everything that you shot, and anywhere in between your art directors can access those images and make their selects and get those images moving along in their production process from anywhere in the world as long as they have an internet connection. They don't have to be in the same room. They don't have to be on the same continent. As long as they have an internet connection, they can log into Creative Force and we'll have a list of products for them to review. They can make their selects. They can make their notes for retouching, visual notes with markup and written notes, and then send those off to the retouchers from anywhere that they have an internet connection. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's changed through the pandemic, especially. And this is one of the, that was one of the major factors for us, which really pushed us into this process because we had to have a way for external users yeah. or, you know, people outside of the studio who are at home, art directors who couldn't get in to be able to really, you know, keep monitoring these assets, keep looking at the assets and approving them so that we could send them through. 
online was the only way that we were selling product, right? I so, don't want to, yeah, I don't want to rush you for your last two features, but it's, I was thinking we could, how much do we have until 11, until the hour? I, will, I, I, I wasn't exactly planning on doing this, but do you guys want to see a little bit of Creative Force? Because I think I can hook up to the AirPlay and we can just look at it very briefly if we wrap up this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's really helpful. It's probably I think hard it would, to wrap yeah. your head around some of this stuff without us kind of looking at it. But please, I want to hear your other two features before we do that. Sure. So the other two features in the QC process, the ability for us to mark up notes within Creative Force is hands down another one of my favorite features. We have various stages along the way in which you can flag images and you know any reviewer, any art director can actually add markup notes along the way so that a post-production team can review those. These aren't just markup notes as in writing in a little bit of text. We're talking about, you know, full-on, you know, pen control to where we can make circles, you know, highlight the different things, and all of that will flow through in our post-production team. And this leads me to my third favorite feature is the ability for our post-production team to have a full log of all of the notation or any of the instructions that have been attached to that image right there within Photoshop in a queue that is continually feeding them images throughout the day. That's it for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. Many thanks to our guest, Jason Wheeler, as well as our hosts at PictureLine, Jens and Dave, and again to Rick Hayward for inviting us out. And also thanks to you for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian.